Uh, good afternoon, welcome to another edition of One Amazing Experience and I'm delighted today uh, to be joined by Ruth. Uh, Ruth is the Managing Director of the Adbook Crichton. Uh, Ruth uh, has also been described as Country Life's, well, Country Life's top party planners in the UK. Uh, Ruth, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and the Admiral Crichton? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so the, the Admiral Crichton, obviously a luxury caterer of some 40 years standing. It's actually our 40th birthday year this year. Um, we hope that at some point we'll be able to celebrate that. Um, we are renowned in the industry really for being sort of one of the, the first, one of the original caterers in London. Um, as you say, working in palaces, galleries, museums around London uh, with a whole range of clients. Um, also um, a range of, of private clients uh, working with quite a lot of high net worth individuals and, and sort of you know, regular clients as well. So you know, we, we happily um, have expanded our, our range of events. I think we were previously known as being a sort of a, a super, super luxurious, expensive you know, caterer. And, and we, we felt it was quite important as the markets changed to, to change that perception a little bit as well. So I think we're, um, you know, we hope that we are now a much more accessible caterer to everyone. Fantastic. Uh, I, I'm sure you are, Ruth, while still providing most wonderful parties. Uh, and uh, I'm delighted today to take you through yours. So obviously we're going through your venue of choice, your look and feel of the event, rival music, what you'll be serving your guests drink-wise and menu-wise, which I expect something spectacular, of course. Uh, one entertainment of your choice, if you'd like to have a celebrity at the party, you don't have to, but if you'd like to have a celebrity. Um, your first dance track, if you're having dancing, uh, the big departure, so how your guests will leave at the end of the night and uh, one gift to all your guests and uh, it can be something physical or it can be just a, a gesture or a saying that you'd like your guests to go away with for, or a feeling that you'd like your guests to go away from the night um, so uh, to start the ball rolling um, if you'd like to say um, where your venue is or and also what your event is going to be so is it a, a birthday party a celebration an industry we're back in business type thing whatever you'd like it to be um, so I think this is going to be a birthday party. I think for me, I'm kind of I'm kind of midway between big birthdays, so this <laughs> might give me some time to hone it a little bit. Um, so I think I think to the, when you certainly when you're planning the fu the fun of planning a party for for you um, is that you either it's so personal that all of your guests just go away thinking that was just so Ruth that was that was Ruth all over. Or that those people who perhaps don't know you as well, if you've got a large number of people going, they kind of come away feeling like, ah, oh, I feel like I saw a side of Ruth I didn't necessarily know. And I think, <laughs> I think that, that's the kind of the the joy of a of a private party that it really has to has to reflect something about the the, the guest of honour. So so for a venue, this was a hard one. This was a really yeah, yeah. hard one because obviously so many amazing venues in London. Um, and I thought, you know, everyone will expect me to say a palace because I'm definitely I'm the palace's girl. Um, or it would have, or used to be the Tower of London and now I kind of practically or used to practically live at St. James's Palace, which I hope is going to come back again soon. Um, so I thought, actually, I don't want to be worried about people leaning against a wall where they shouldn't or doing something <laughs> where they shouldn't or anything like that. I wanted a complete night off from from work mode um so i think i would combine my my two great loves so i would combine my love of travel um with my love of of great food and, and parties and i would fly um friends to new york and we'd either, oh, wow we would either party at this is obviously with an imaginary budget that we're yeah absolutely um, so i would yeah fly them and we would either have it at the 21 club which is just brilliantly eccentric um or at the russian tea rooms which again okay. is, is sort of just wonderfully eccentric it's a place i'd read about years and years and years ago when i first went to new york when i was i think 22 um couldn't afford to do anything like the eating out in all the nice places um and then i went back um, quite a few years ago now, I went back and we, yeah, we sort of saved up to, to go and, and we thought, right, we're going to have an amazing um, New York foodie experience. Um, and I went to the Russian tea rooms having always wanted to go and it just was everything that, that I had imagined it would be. Um, so I think that, that that's a place that really stuck in my mind. And that's, I think if I was celebrating a special 
a special party and could could do it anywhere, then I'd be really, really, really tempted to to go there. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. There's there's no budget implications at all. You can have as you can spend as much as you like on this one. Uh, I'm going to push you now. Which one is it? Twenty one Club or Russian Tea Rooms? And then, can you just for the listeners describe a little bit more about what the the club or the tea rooms are like? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go with the Russian Tea Rooms. Okay. Um, and they have um. They have the main floor of the tea rooms is just it's all um, bright red walls um, and then these red bonquette leather seats, but in these sort of really beautiful kind of wooden booths, uh, and it's just it's just ridiculously opulent and, and excessive. And then the the bear lounge downstairs, I'd be really torn because the bear lounge downstairs is just eccentricity personified with this sort of you know big a big bear obviously um, and a sort of a a glass, as a mirrored glass mosaic of the Chrysler building and, and things. So it's, it's just colours, colours, colours coming at you. Um, so I, I feel that sort of one, one of those would be, would be bad, but definitely Russian tea rooms. Russian tea rooms, fantastic. It's a big brown bear, is it? Standing it's up a on kind the of a, it's like a crystal bear, huge crystal, crystal bear. bear. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. Very Russian. I can yes, say. I mean, why, why wouldn't you have a big crystal bear in a room? Yeah. yeah, brilliant. And does it uh, does it have an emotional attachment to you as well? Was it uh, when you went when you were twenty first? Were you just blown away by it, or was it? Um, a I think occasion I think it was just, it was something I'd I'd read about it, um, and it kept it was one of those sort of things I think just you kept reading about and and hearing things, and so it kind of took on all this almost a mythical to a kind of a a late teens early twenties me. It was this sort of mythical wonderful venue. Um, and then, yeah, and I, it, it was, it was, it was fantastic. The food was great. The experience was great. The service was great. Um, and it was just one of those places that sticks in your mind. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, next time I'm in New York, I shall go to the Russian tea room. Definitely recommend it. <laughs> fantastic. And just, uh, just finally, uh, how many, how many close friends are you having? How many are you, you, are you, are you filling Concord? Should it exist again? So yeah, they're definitely on their own flights wise. That's definitely that's <laughs> um, so. I think um, I, I'm not a massive fan of huge parties. I like you know enough people to make it to make it fun. I would say probably I'd top it at fifty because I think you want to feel, particularly if people have come all that way, you want to feel that you're spending a good amount of time with everybody. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Excellent. 50 people, Russian tea rooms in New York. We look forward to hearing the rest. Uh, so we got started on your party. So starting on your career now, I, I believe, as often is the case with events, uh, you started at Durham University doing a BA in, in English literature. Is that right? I did, yes. <laughs> and so, um, and then your first event was at the RAC Club. Is that right? Uh, so no, I, I moved to London and worked for a church foundation running a venue um, opposite the big Sainsbury's in Holborn. Um, which wasn't there when I when I first started work. Um, I don't think I knew how lucky I was that they. Um, I phoned them and said, "You can you can you advise where I could find a somewhere to live because I'm moving to London. I have no idea." And they said, "Actually, we've got a, a rectory in Bethnal Green that that's empty, and it would actually help us if you yeah if you wouldn't mind sort of yeah house sitting it." Um, so so I had this um, five bedroom house in Bethnal Green just by the tube. Um, ne- right next to the Museum of Childhood. And they said, don't live there on your own because you know, we wouldn't like anybody to come because people still think it might be a rectory and so they might come for help. So don't don't live there on their own. So I had three friends who lived with me the whole time. And then as people moved to London, they would come and stay for a while and then and then go on again. Um, and I also had a car park space in Holborn. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a rent-free accommodation and a car park wow. space. Um, and obviously... I had no concept of how ridiculously lucky I was to, to have that. Yeah, yeah. didn't save any money, of course. I just enjoyed living in London for my first couple of years in London. Um, so that Amazing. was a small venue um, that was attached to the Royal College of Organists. Um, and then the, the, the head of the Royal College of Organists then um, took me to he, – he was also um, the managing partner of a law firm. So he then took me to um, work at his law firm when they were merging – so I then went to do sort of just marketing and bits and pieces um, just on a short-term contract there um, and then went to the London Chamber of Commerce and was events manager for there, which I think is probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. 
um, just learned so much about putting on events, got totally thrown at the deep end. You had to give a speech, you had to get up on stage and give a, give a speech at every event that you'd organised to welcome the, the members and things. So I think, at, I, think I was 20... 23 I think at that time and I think you you, know, you kind of you know, really yeah, have to speaking. grow your confidence at that, at that stage yeah. to, to be doing that um, so and just met some incredible people um, learned just so much about say, about sort of the the planning of an event the government protocol all of that kind of thing that that really has stayed with me all of my career um, yeah, yeah. and then and then went to um, to the team of uh, events for members at the REC club on Palmal, but we also looked after the country club and a, a suite at Silverstone as well. So, so I did that for a few years. Um, but again, so yeah, so, so had a, an entry into, into events kind of through a, a roundabout sort of, you know, got to know a lot of the venues on the client side first rather than yeah. on the supplier side. And did you, I mean, did you, did you want to go into events or, or did you, as you say, you sort of ended up in marketing, which led you into events as a function and then actually you found this is quite good? Um, I originally wanted to join the diplomatic service Okay. Um, when I was at university and then you do the kind of the milk round and you kind of go around all these, yeah, all the companies and they see whether they want to offer you a job or not. And I, I just realised, A, I'd gone off the diplomatic service because I realised that you're actually quite powerless to do anything to help anyone, that there were such kind of strict protocols in place that if, even if you could see a way to help someone, actually a lot of the time you couldn't do that because of various protocols in place. Um, and I realised I definitely didn't want to go into this corporate world that I was doing the kind of the interviews for with Mars and all the others that come to the university to recruit. And, and it really left me, for the first time ever, just not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I remember sort of saying to my mum, they're saying, yeah, what, what, do I, what do I do? You know, final exams are kind of looming and everybody, all my friends seem to know what they want to do. And I just mm. don't know what I want to do at all. Um, and I said, well, what do you like doing? What, do you, what are you good at? And I thought, well, I'm good at making lists. And I wonder, <laughs> if, there's job, I wonder if there's a job as I could you know, tick things off a list for a living. Um, and and we looked into it, and and I thought actually, you know, PR um, would be would be really good. And so I, I'd applied to various PR companies, um, went to do some work experience at Heathrow Airport, um, and got I was sort of working on the the press inquiry into Terminal Five doing data entry, um, which was not fun. Um, and then this incredible man called um, Sir Reg Bai took, took me under his wing in, the, in my second week of, of my work experience and took me over to the visitor centre. And I did some work with, um, with him that he was doing with Fulton Young Offenders and also um, helped organise the pensioner Christmas party um, that they organised for local pensioners. And I just loved it. It was just the, the seeing something from start to finish be so kind of, you know, in a short time span and and just seeing the effect it had on people um mm -hmm. who'd come to the party um and i just thought actually yeah this is it this this is yeah. this is what i want and i and i still feel that way even after a what 20 nearly 25 year career nearly i still feel excited to see guest reaction at the end of a, an event so i yeah. think i'm in the no, right it, job. <laughs> no, if you, if you, you if you lose the buzz, Ruth, then then it's probably time to stop. But I, I agree; it's it's amazing <laughs> when you when you do events and you, as you say, you, you, you at the end of it and you know it's gone well. Everyone's had a great time and the service has gone how you wish. It's, it, it's hard to beat that feeling of accomplishment in terms of it. We also uh, at the London Irish Centre where we we work, we do a pensioners' Christmas lunch every year, and it's it's, it's one of the sort of the most enjoyable. Uh, occasions i don't know room feels full of love you know <laughs> it's it's uh, they're, they're so appreciative of, of doing it and seeing all their old friends and having a great time so, absolutely yeah it's good um and uh talking about having a great time uh, and your party um so i normally I'll ask in terms of look and feel of the event but i guess that's sort of set out by the uh, the russian tea rooms nah, well, why, no? stop, why, okay. why stop at a christmas <laughs> really? um so i have um, all my friends would know I, I am a kind of I'm, I'm a massive lover of the 80s I'm a 80s, 80s music everything 80s um, 
and so I think I think probably I would um, I would celebrate the 80s. I was born just before the 80s started, um, but that was my kind of teenage years and, and, and sort of introduction to music and popular culture and everything else. So it really stuck with me. Um, so I think I would probably have a kind of 80s feel to my to my party. Brilliant. Oh, well, proper music in the 80s, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so are we, are we talking lots of, I'm trying to think, sort of... Um, vibrant colors and uh how are you you blending the 80s into the event so yeah i go go full full neon yeah Um, i think i think i kind of probably do it with through a lot of kind of film posters music posters and things like that and have have those around a lot of kind of references um and and i quite i quite like i'm a big fan of props at events for styling so i think i'd probably have a lot of kind of 80s things um so yeah i'd have your kind of yeah your sony discman lying yeah. around on the side yeah, yeah. and you know the rubik's cubes and the yeah you know, all Pac-Man. of those kind of absolutely yeah definitely have a kind of an old little kind of game game machine i used to be absolutely love frogger so i'd have kind of anything like that <laughs> um so i think yeah i think, I think all the things like that, i think because a lot you know a lot of my friends are similar age and everything, so i think anything that immediately transports you back i think sets that that scene really well yeah have to have the uh, the, uh, the obligatory athena posters Absolutely, the man holding the baby, <laughs> and then the, the the tennis lady scratching her bottom. You know the one, I'm sure. I, I, you, you've remembered that well, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks into mind that one. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and so, well, at least perfectly on. So, I have to ask in terms of arrival music. Then, are you go? Are you going on the '80s theme for your music when people arrive yeah. as well? I assume. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. So, I think because again, because I, I try and make it as personal as possible, and so people would literally arrive because yeah I think I think sometimes you know when I, ha- I held a party for another birthday and I think people were pleasantly surprised that it was kind of just a a totally different environment than they might have thought that it wasn't a formal palacey style event it was a very kind of roots party kind of event um so I think to make sure that they knew exactly what they were letting themselves in for when they arrived um one of one of my other great loves in life is pandas Okay. And I I am I absolutely love a panda bear, um, and so I would have outside the Russian tea rooms, trying to upstage the crystal bear, I would have a couple of pandas on roller skates, like people dressed up as pandas, obviously on, on roller <laughs> not, skates, not, real, not real. actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would that I could. Um, I would have a um, couple of kind of people dressed as pandas on on roller skates, not so roller boots, and not roller blades. Roller boots, yeah, proper skates, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, so I would have, I would have my, in, in their kind of neon leg warmers and things. So people would, yeah, they would think, oh, we're going to really smart Russian tea rooms, and then they would rock up and they would just know instantly, okay, this is not going to be the night we were perhaps expecting. Um, and then I'd have, I have, there's a DJ we work with a lot um, who is absolutely fantastic. He just reads a room so well, um, and I would, I would want him to come out as well. And I'd, I'd have him playing really classic 80s tracks not kind of belting them out um just so that it kind of provided some sort of good fun background music with a nice tempo but yeah i'd, I'd definitely have have the, the original tracks played fantastic i'm sure he'd be happy to be flown over to new york to dj i well. think he goes everywhere already he'd probably be yeah, a, another yeah, day yeah. at the office for him but. <laughs> brilliant brilliant um and uh, obviously, so we've started off your career. You've obviously been through, um, as you say, the RAC club. Then I know from there, and I think this is where I first met you when you were moving venue caterers. You worked with the, the wonderful Mr. Richard Beggs back then, would have been. Uh, and then you on on to obviously Blue Strawberry and Table Talk yeah. um, before you uh, became a managing director of the Admiral Crichton. And is it, did you find it in terms of um, after the RAC club, I guess you went from being in a venue to going to a caterer. Did you find it an easy transition? And, and is it one that you've you sort of, I guess, I guess you've really enjoyed as you've stayed with it all the time? Oh, um, I think I wanted to make the move because the one bit we weren't um, in control of was, was the food and the service when we were at, at the RAC club. And so, and that was, that was something that really, really interested me. And and I was interested in kind of developing that, but that there wasn't there wasn't scope flex. They had a, a really good banking department who looked after that, and we looked after member events, and it was quite separate. Um, 
so so yeah so I went um to to interview at Moving Venue um had my interview um with John Stockton ah, um, Mr Stockton yeah who, yeah who very kindly noticed I was nervous see now he's my great friend and mentor um but uh but yeah, just it was it was it was challenging because it was very different. Um, but equally, I think they were great because they, you know, Emma, um, Emma Lavender, Andy Beeson, and John, they all really trained me really, really well. Um, so I think they sort of they took. It was interesting. Someone else joined um, from another caterer at a similar time to me, and sort of years later, I thought, oh, I didn't know that. How did you know that? And that's what I got taught it and I think they kind of assumed a level of knowledge from someone who'd come from another another caterer because I didn't they took time to teach me and and I think you know that that training again has never really left me you know the the sort of the real understanding of how to put an event together and how it all works and it's not just about selling something it's about selling something that is achievable and deliverable um I think I think yeah it was a really good really good training ground yeah, and I mean, when I um, I obviously got, first got to know the Moon Venue when I worked at, at Natural History mm. Museum, and they they got known for pushing the boundaries in terms of well, we've done six hundred, so we can probably do six twenty. We can probably do six forty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I reckon there's a way of doing seven hundred. Um, what was it? I mean, if, it must have been. What was it like for you in terms of? I suppose when you did do that first, did you? I guess you you sold and then had to to go to a a dinner where it was a case of okay is this going to work yeah I think I think I kind of I did the because I hadn't been a caterer before I'd sort of looked after the the venues that didn't do the huge numbers particularly because I think that broke me in quite gently um and I think I kind of you know I proved I could do it and and I I remember my first NHM event um which was the Visit London Awards and I still have the pictures of it, and I still remember it in, enormously fondly and proudly, um, because yes, because a, a sense of running and yeah, you get a real sense of achievement when you run an event at a complicated venue and yeah, and with lots of people. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's yeah, it, it it never leaves you that kind of like look, looking at the obviously at the dinosaur as was and at the, the the whale now, and you think, like, okay, so the floor plan says we can get. and and if you start too far forward you've had it um so so yeah so but it's as with everything in events you've just got to believe in yourself and do it and back yourself that yeah you've worked it out it does work and now get on and do it yeah yeah and did you always know that you wanted to to sort of get to the position you are i did you want to do you did you always want to be a a sort of managing director of, of of a leading caterer no, I've never really had a career <laughs> plan. I or people ask you, and certainly when I was starting out, one of the big interview questions was, "Where do you see yourself in ten years' time?" And I like have absolutely ten, ten no years, idea. Of, yeah. And and I I just have, I've never really had a a career plan. I just want to love what I do, um, and I think I, I enjoy the sort of the business strategy side and that kind. But I. I don't. I don't enjoy the amount of paperwork that, you, yeah, the boring bit, the sort of the the, the sort of the, the the other the non-event side, I suppose. So I don't. I yeah. I I, I think that's the sort of the, the wonderful marriage of of the AC and and genuine group now is that they they will look after the HR side, they look after the finance side, and and I am free to to do the events, the business development, the coming up with new ideas, the the driving the strategy forward. And I think that's that's the bit I, I love. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, and as you say, again, going back to you, you leave me perfectly on. You, like, you love doing the party bit. So uh, your guests have come in to the wonderful Russian tea rooms, uh, greeted by panda bears on roller skates and 80s music and lots of neon. <laughs> and uh and uh what what drinks will you be serving Ruth? um so i do like a cocktail mm-hmm. uh i bizarrely i spent many years being allergic to wine it goes in circles and apparently sort of seven year cycles and i'm actually now no longer allergic to wine thank god wow that's um, that's a good thing so so champagne was always fine um so i would serve my favorite champagne is from a small champagne house called um andre Clouet. Who again? I was introduced to through Moving Menu, where we went out and we met John John Francois Clouet, who is the most charismatic man, and and really really explained to us how his family had been producing champagne in the region 
um, predating Tattinger, Bollinger, every, everybody else. Um, and he makes an incredible champagne called the Andre Clouet 1911. And they only make 1,911 bottles a year. So that's a, it's a beautiful champagne. And I would, I would serve that um, with um, passion fruit, caipirinhas and brambles, my favourite cocktails. Um, so there'd have to be it. a bar so people could have whatever they liked other than that. But, yeah, they would be the, the main drinks. Wonderful. I, I do love a bramble, I have to say. Um, yeah. Gin and blackberry. Yes. Yeah. They slip down far too easily. On a, on a summer evening, we'd take, in the start of lockdown, we'd take the dog for a walk and we'd come back and we'd sit on our balcony in the sunshine and we'd watch the parakeets kind of flying off in their evening migration. And... Uh, and, and we'd have a, a gin and tonic or, or a bramble, and and that was kind of quite a quite a nice little, little early summer tradition <laughs> that was sort of became became a very easily adopted tradition. Oh, wonderful! Well, may it may it happen again this summer, may I say? Let's hope so. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and uh, while your guests are having drinks, will you be serving canapes? I would be serving canapes. Um, I love canapes. I think I could forego a meal for canapes, lots of them, but forego a meal for canapes. Um, yeah, little bites of heaven. They're just, they are the best thing. And it's funny, when we've, when we've been chatting to our, our venue partners during lockdown, they've all said that they miss canapes. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, canapes are really underestimated for for just being a really fun, um, but they would be, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have some sort of, you know, some sort of fun 80s style ones, but I think also... I'm also a big believer in sometimes you shouldn't force the theming. And I think sometimes food is something that shouldn't be over-themed. Um, yeah. And so I think you theme the way it's presented, but you don't necessarily theme the theme the food. So, yeah, so I'd have lots of canapes. I'd also, because we're in the Russian tea rooms, I think we'd have to have a sort of a salmon and gravelax and blinis and, and sour cream bar as well for people to, to help themselves to. Caviar? I guess we'd have to. I'm not a fan, but I guess we'd have to. <laughs> Beluga, obviously. Obviously, yes. It's a blow the budget. Why not? It's imaginary budget. Exactly. Exactly. You've, you've obviously now you've been, which I can't quite actually believe, but you've been at the AC. So I, I reckon from, well, obviously LinkedIn tells me this, five years and eight months. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. The time has flown. I know. I know. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think has been your, before pandemic, let's not include pandemic at the moment, what do you think has been your, your greatest learning while you've been at the AC? Uh, I think to, to back myself and believe in myself that I can, I can do it. I think, I think sometimes to back myself that, that I may not have all the experience, but sometimes my opinion matters and I should should say it louder sometimes um but I think just the the range of events that we've done um the scope of me I mean the AC get get the most extraordinary opportunities to quote for for events that just you know every other caterer I've worked for I've really felt that we've got a great handle on the market and we're really you know top of our game and I came to the AC and I, and I realised that, that there's a whole other level. And, and actually, you know, that's, that's been, a, you know, it was a huge learning curve, um, I think, to, to be able to, to think big enough to, to deliver on a, on a large scale, um, to, to juggle the possibilities. Um, and, yeah, and, I think, and I think certainly, but I think, I think actually I've learned loads about myself in the pandemic. You know, I think the kind of, the way that the AC have diversified, the way that the team have just been phenomenal in the way that they have responded and and supported me in my, in my kind of sometimes crazy ideas to let's do this now, let's do this now, um, and and yeah, and we've sort of been yeah had that backing from from our parent company to to really kind of come up with ideas, innovate and and pivot where we've needed to diversify create alternative revenue streams and I and I kind of I think I, I've learned an awful lot about my own resilience and my own ability to kind of okay 
think differently. Just, you know, don't do things how we've always done it. Don't think about events market, private market, whatever else. Think about what, you know, what keeps the AC busy and relevant and keeps the team together. And and that's that I think is has been I think will probably be one of my my greatest achievements um, and one of my greatest personal sort of satisfactions as well. Yeah, I listen. I listen to, to various podcasts and as a uh, leaders of uh, one of listened to now is this chap who, who who started Spotify and then one before that was was Shopify. What's it? If I's anyway, um, but they were talking about it and actually. Um, it's a podcast by Tim Ferriss, but they, the, the, the most creative people actually have to plot in time in their diary to be creative. So people like to think that, you know, ideas come from the ether and whatever else, but actually most people put time in their diaries to go, okay, I need, uh, is that your style? And, and I suppose in terms of your, as you say, your team have been great. I mean, what's your, what's your management style like with the team? Um, I mean, really at the moment, it's a very flat structure. Um, because we're all just sort of mucking in together, and I think you know we'll we sort of yeah we we bounce ideas off each other, um, and you know and they're, they're, you know, we're a small team, and they're you know everybody everybody has has a say and, and an input, um, and I actually think that that going forward, I think I really hope that I can keep that going, um, you know, with the team that you know, that obviously you know, I, you know in some respects once we get back into the more kind of the rigors of running events and obviously the kind of the, I guess the hierarchy slots back in a little bit in terms of people have job roles and, you know, a head of operations is in charge of the operations and a head of sales is in charge of the sales and a head chef is in charge of the kitchen. But I, you know, I hope that we do keep that going, that everybody actually feels that their ideas in, in, you know, across the board are really relevant and, and supported. Yeah. So I hope, I hope I, you know, I hope I, I've sort of, adapted my management style certainly this year but i hope that that will continue going forward yeah a collaborative a collaborative environment yeah yeah and, and do you come up with your with your as you say your your creative ideas do you do you find them when you're dog walking or when do you when do you find your best ideas come to you um sometimes utterly randomly um i'm a great one for sleeping on things yeah, all my all my big decisions have been made um, I'll yeah, and usually reverse. I've made a decision, gone to bed, woken up with totally the the opposite decision in mind to do. Um, but I'm a big believer in trusting my gut and sleeping on a decision to to do it. Um, so often, often things will come to me in the morning. I'll kind of go to bed thinking I'm really not sure how to put this pitch together or what this client's looking for or how I'm going to actually deliver what I think this client is looking for. Um, and then I'll wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, yeah, got it. Um, but you're right. You do have to, you know, nothing, nothing comes without work. I don't think it's, so, yeah, there's, you know, you can make it look easy. And I suppose that's where sort of talent and experience and skill and everything else comes in. But I think, I think everything is, you know, you've got to sit and think about it. You've got to research it. And, yeah, and it's one of the things I, I like about the, the job that you, you get to use all aspects of your interests. So, you know, your travel, you know, places you've travelled to, books you've read, films you've seen, plays you've seen, things you've heard about. It, it all kind of art galleries you visited, it all kind of comes in and, and, and actually can enhance the creative experience for your client. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's the best way, picking up ideas from fear from other industries, other walks in life, how other people are doing things and yeah. bring them to an event in, environment. It's great fun. Uh and on that note, going back to yours, uh, your, your meal of choice. Now, you don't have to have a starter main course dessert. What, what, what are you having, Ruth? Oh, this was really hard because I am a pescatarian. And so okay. I was kind of thinking, well, if, it's, if it was all for me, what would I want? What would I want to eat? Then I'm obviously, I, I am a bit of a people pleaser. And so I'd be thinking, well, they'd obviously people would need meat as well. So I, I tend to de defer to my husband as to what the meat eaters have, because it really has to be whatever he likes. Um, so for, for the general menu, I, for my favourite things would be, I love kind of burrata or goat's cheese with balsamic and figs and nuts. I think the combination of, of those things is just absolutely delicious. Um, very fresh. Um, and I think you, you don't want you don't want a meal to be too heavy, particularly if you're going to party afterwards. Yeah. And then I think I would want something that was 
a favorite meal from somewhere else. And one of one of my favorite things um, is, um, and they don't do it anymore, but they, they used to do these incredible um, scallop and prawn cakes at Hakkasan, where you literally had this enormous scallop and it was filled then with kind of sort of the 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 minced prawn that you would kind of like what you would get on prawn toast. And it was sort of covered, yeah, really kind of surrounded by this and an incredible sauce. And then you'd have rice with it and things. Um, so either that or or the Nobu black cod, I think, something oh, yes. like that. I think, you know, something that's just just delicious. And again, it transports you back to to specific times. I, I'm, I, I'm a bit of a food geek and all of my photos from restaurants um, – are all filed away on an iPad by date and by restaurant. Um, wow. But they... You like your lists, as you said. I do. Just a <laughs> weird, weird person. Um, but, the, <laughs> but I think they, they take you back to moments. It's like listening to music. Tracks take you back to moments in your life. And food does the same. And you, know, and you remember the first time you tried something or the the best whatever you know that you've ever had uh, or even the worst <laughs> you've ever had um, but but it transports you instantly to those moments so that you can always you remember where you were who you were with or you know what you were wearing it just that whole that whole kind of experience and I think that you know food does that for people and I think that's why yeah to work in this industry with you know with food to create these experiences for people is is so special um so yes yeah, so that's that's what I, i'd go with something like that for, for a main course and then I'm, I'm i'm not a massive fan of puddings i love cheese um yeah. and i would probably steal they have the most incredible cheese trolley at a restaurant in austria called um Steyrak in vienna uh, and they brought this kind of it wasn't even a trolley it was like a, a a movable sideboard almost of cheese and all the different kind of honey and honeycomb. And they have kind of 10 different types of honey, a couple of different types of honeycomb, chutneys, relishes, and, Ooh, and yeah. cheeses I'd never heard of. Um, and the, and the, the sort of, they had like a, like a cheese master who came over and told you all about them all and, and you could choose. So I definitely have something like that, but I, I am a bit of a fan and I, I kind of always say to our, our head chef, you need to work out a way that we can deliver this at events um, but a, a baked Alaska is my favourite. So <laughs> we would, have, so we would have baked Alaska to end our meal in the Russian tea rooms, or before the cheese ended our meal in the Russian tea rooms. The cheese would be there all night for people to just graze on. Yeah, I have to say it is really. I mean, I've I've done quite a few of these now, but baked Alaska keeps coming up. It's, it's hilarious. It's like, I'm not quite sure what it's it is about you, about you caterers, but I, tell you, <laughs> I think that, I think that uh, I'm pretty sure that Johnny Roxborough went for Baked Alaska. I'm uh, Lucy, Lucy Werner, who's managing director of Urban yep. Caprice, uh, and yourself. And then uh, Tim Brennan from Caperbury went for ice cream as well. So it's, it's all go. kind of like... We're, we're simple bears, really, as caterers. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of, sometimes you, you just love the simple things when you, when you get to have all the finest things. Sometimes it's, it's quite nice Excellent. to have something classic yeah. and simple. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to have a baked Alaska at my next party. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in, in, you've obviously, I mean, you've, you've, you've picked up a, a huge amount of obviously influences, as you say, from your travels around the world and restaurants that you've been to. And, and, and uh, you've obviously, you mentioned obviously the wonderful John Stockton as well in terms of, of the industry. But uh, who else would you say has been an inspiration to you through your career? or, or uh, events? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I mean, John, definitely. Um and I, 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 he probably won't remember this, but I, um, I, he, want, he once decided that he wanted me to win an event. Um, we'd never done this event before, never catered it before. And he's like, you need to find out who runs this event and I want to cater it. And he ripped up a five euro note, which at the time must have been worth all of a kind of a pound 50. Um, <laughs> and said, you can have the other half of this when you win this job. Um, and I like a challenge, so so I did go and find out who ran this event and, and whether they needed a caterer, and I did win the job. Um, and I actually have the two halves of that five euro note framed in the yeah, just just to remind me that you know you can you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, and and I think that that he's he's all, always been a massive supporter, and I think still somebody who 
when I, I'm at a career crossroads or a kind of you know need some advice, he's still someone I, I phone and, and and get his advice. Um, but I think start. I mean, initially when you know, so when I met, I'd met a lot of the venue people um, uh, from the client side, which I think was probably a very good job because kind of you know Ian Fraser, Lynn Kennedy, Pippa de Kuna, you know, would have terrified the life out of me. I think, had I not sort of already met them in a slightly <laughs> different gaze. So at least I kind of ca- came at it slightly differently. But they were huge inspirations to me. Um, and particularly Pippa and, and Lynn as, as sort of senior women, you know, absolutely rocking it. Um, you know, being, you know, incredible, incredibly stylish, elegant, charming. Um, you know, they were they were absolutely the kind of the, you know, the pinnacle to, to look up to. Um and and so so yeah so I definitely think that that they they you know inspired me in different ways. Um, and then I think for those for those who don't know, uh, Ruth, so so Pippa was at the V and A museum. Yeah, she yeah. Was, yeah, Ian she was, was obviously VNA. Natural History Museum. Yeah, Ian, Ian Fraser head of events at Natural History Museum and really kind of founded events and venues. Um, and then Lynn Kennedy was head of um, events for historical right. palaces, based at Banqueting yeah. House, but head of, of the whole of. Historical Palaces events, so so yes, but uh, so I think they they certainly have have always left their mark on me, um, and I th- and I think also just you know more recently, um, the two people I work for now, um, Chris Mitchell and, and Jason Ross, they are hugely inspiring in in the way that you know Chris runs his business, the way that he you know has empowered the people in his business to to do their very best and to not kind of to not see any limitations on themselves or the opportunity um you know and and jason just for kind of he's the most unfinanced director i mean he's super super sharp and super super financy but he's so open to innovation and taking a chance and and seeing where it leads and i think that's just been just quite career changing i think for me um to actually have have that you know to come along and it sort of rejuvenated my 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 life at the ac um i think my my passion for what i do my ability to see all sorts of other scope and everything and i think yeah and i think i'm enormously inspired by by them and the team the team that they have around them because i think you know to to be surrounded um by people who I said, yeah, it's nice. It's really nice to have colleagues because I've not really had colleagues in a really long time because <laughs> um, I've yeah. always managed them. And so it's really, yeah, yeah. really lovely to have have colleagues that I can bounce ideas off and, and just get inspiration from them and what what they've achieved in, in their career. So, yeah, so so I think, yeah, come, it comes a full circle that there's people who inspire you at the start and then you kind of, you get inspired by the work that other people are doing around you yeah. as well. yeah. And, and, and as you you intimated there, Ruth, you've obviously obviously been through pandemic. You've also been through. I know it, it, the AC has not been an easy journey for you to get to where you are now. There's been iterations in terms of doing it. I mean, how does how how does Ruth relax? How does Ruth sort of I suppose keep the top on? Uh, normally travel. We we kind of we like to go away for weekend breaks. That's been decidedly curtailed um but just just being at home being at home with my husband's actually been been really fun during the pandemic because normally we kind of you know we'll we'll get to normally about april and then it'll be like right see you in the summer and we'll we'll kind of go on two weeks in august and then we get back it's like right see you at christmas um and so so actually having having some downtime at home has been really nice having some time to to do the garden. I'm not really a gardener, but I've been, I've quite enjoyed putting things in pots and having pretty stuff around. Um, I think it was a desire to do something creative that sort of led me to just overhaul all the, <laughs> all, the all of the garden during the start of lockdown. Um, but yeah, just walking the dog, watching movies. I'm a big kind of big fan of Netflix, um, and just yeah, just kind of. Yeah. Sometimes doing nothing, watching rubbish TV, which I call chewing gum for the brain, um, and ju- just kind of switching off. I do like a box set. Excellent, excellent. Favorite favorite box set? Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Shit's Creek. I think we're on our fourth or fifth um, viewing <laughs> of the whole. We 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 watch what we binge watch all of the series, and then we just sort of start it again. Um, and every time good. there's bits I've nodded off in that I 
didn't didn't exactly. remember. So so yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, well, that leads nicely onto entertainment of choice for your for your guests at your party. Uh, well, um, I think it would have to be something eighties. Um, and I actually had had this person as a as a um, entertainment at at an event, and I actually have an amazing video of a lot of your staff all bopping away in the background singing along, <laughs> which is oh, wonderful, so fun. Um, but I would have Rick Astley, who I was a oh, massive yeah, yeah. fan of as a teenager, um, and he is awesome live. Um, he's such a nice guy, so unprecious. Um, you know, no long lists of rider demands or anything like that. Um, just really easy to work with, a lot of fun on stage, very much what you see is what you get. Um, and I, I really like that about people, um, that there, there isn't a stage persona and an off stage persona. Um, but yeah, and he, he was so much fun. He did great covers as well as his own stuff. So I think he'd be perfect because he wouldn't just do his. Um, but I think for him to come and do a, a set, um, I think would would definitely transport everyone back to the eighties. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Do you have a favourite song? I think Never Gonna Give You Up. I mean, it's, it's just a classic. <laughs> it's an absolute classic. Eighties, eighties, cheesy classic. Wonderful stuff. <laughs> They're the only uh, songs brilliant. they ever knew all the words to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously now you've got Rick Astley obviously uh, doing entertainment for your guests you can still have one further celebrity if you'd like oh so I thought about this and, I, and again I'm not in sort of general terms I'm not a huge fan of just kind of punting out a celebrity for the the sake of of having one and sometimes they can be celebrity it's like having celebrity DJs and sometimes they can be more trouble than they're worth at events so they they're great for the kind of for the headline and for the the get the yeah the guest experience but from the often from the event organizer experience it's not much fun at all um but I think I think kind of of, of all the people I've I've ever had at events or worked with and, and yeah as you know in in this life you you meet some people that you just never think you're ever going to meet and you, know, you suddenly find yourself in a room with them um and it's quite an you know it's quite an extraordinary experience um but I remember years and years and years ago doing an event with Michael Palin um and he was just universally loved and I, I wasn't a Python fan particularly um so I, yeah, I guess he was sort of he was on my radar, but not on not on as yeah, much yeah. as it. And I was, I was early twenties when I when I met him, and uh, I think probably to kind of to tie in with my travel theme, yeah. um, and just the kind of just everybody would would just love his company. Um, I've got the most. I have a picture. My dad had used to have it up in his office um, of Michael Palin giving me a bear hug. Um, so I think that I would probably have him because i just think he would be he would be just charming excellent company um so when people just had 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 enough of being dancing away to rick or to my amazing amazing dj and they just wanted to kind of kick back with a cocktail i think he would would just be able to hold forth in the in the chill out area and people would be absolutely captivated by him no i'm sure they would be I'm sure there will be. As you say, it fits perfectly in with, the, with, the, with your travels. His travel programs are, are amazing. Um, and uh, in, in terms of travels of career, I mean, we've touched on pandemic many times now, which we're all going through. Obviously, we, the, the future, we, we all see light at the end of the tunnel, which is exciting at this time. We do, we um, do. But do you, do you feel there's going to be positives that have come out of this that will, will stay with you going forward? Um, I think... I hope so. I hope the kind of approach to a little bit of work-life balance, I think, for people. I think with the ability that actually, and we were always very flexible about people, you know, being able to kind of go to hospital, doctors, dentists, even hair appointments and stuff. Um, but I think I think the, the fact that good people leave the industry because they end up having to choose between a family life and a, and a work life. And really good people have, have had to make that decision. And I don't think that people ever should have to make that decision. Um, and I really hope that this sort of much more sort of technology-led way of working will really help that, that people aren't having to make 
the decision that it's one or the other that they can have a hybrid of a family and your family life and be that be that sort of mums or dads you know the fact that you know it's not it's not about not just about um mums giving up work when they when they have a family but also for you know for dads being able to be be much more present and you know and I think that that's that's really important and I think yeah and I think the ability for people to to just say you know what I'm going to work from home today because I just need to get my head down and get it done and I think I think hopefully that I think I've really loved the kind of the sense of community amongst people who would normally be competitors I think you know everyone's been genuinely concerned for everybody's welfare I think when people have heard that you know company x has had to make a lot of redundancies I think you know everybody's heart has just kind of clenched a bit and just thought oh my god you know either thank god that's not me or yet been there and and I think that I really hope that 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 sense of of actually let's be a bit more united um I hope that stays. I hope, you know, I do hope that that, that stays. You know, yes, of course, you know, there will be you know, competition and everything else, but I do, I do hope that that there is a, you know, a much more of a, a remembering that we we all are, you know, so incredibly lucky to be making a living doing something we love. I mean, I mean, how, yeah, when when you think it might all be ripped away from you, you suddenly realise what well, what on earth would I do if events didn't exist <laughs> anymore. Um, yeah. And and I think you know hopefully that you know that will 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 be more of a, a, a driving force and everybody kind of you know does help each other out a little bit more and is supportive and yeah no no it's a, it's a nice thought and and I do think as well obviously you, you mentioned um, earlier in terms of the pivots that that the Admiral Crichton have done with you know be it the, the your own branded produce that you're you're selling direct to consumer etc. And I think that there's been a lot of acceleration of things that might have happened, but people have been sort of forced to do them and actually look at, and, and there'll probably be things that stay with you now as an extra bit of icing on the cake or however it's seen. And it is to help in terms of, of utilization of kitchens and, and making sure that assets are being sweated properly. Actually, it will be, it'll be interesting to see if it does just add that little bit of, I suppose, profit at the end of the year through doing these things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean that, and we we kind of deliberately set up a separate brand, Crichton's Pantry, for that reason, because we wanted it to be able to run alongside our events business without kind of confusing the clients as to, hang on, if I can have yeah. dinner at home sent as a dine at home kit for four people, why are you charging me X amount to come and cater my party for six people or whatever? Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, it was we wanted to have a very definite brand. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that it has you know, t- time and necessity has um, enabled us to kind of think quickly, mo- mobilize quickly. The things that normally get put on the back burner. I've wanted an online shop for years, um, but you just never have the time, and it's never a priority, and you've got other things to do. No, and, yeah. and actually, yeah, we we had the time, and we needed to get something sorted, and so it's actually doing brilliantly well. And we had it was it sounds a bit silly, but we had. Um, 70 odd valentine's dine at home kits went out all over the place and we delivered nationwide and we were getting tagged on on valentine's night or particularly on the saturday we were just getting tagged all the time in instagram posts of people cooking at home these these you know, <laughs> really really well plated um dine at home yeah, yeah. and I, I just felt quite emotional and i, I said you know, it's it's not an event but you know all over the country in 70 different households people are eating our food and they're all together having a sort of an individual experience but a shared experience and it was it just kind of made me kind of really feel hopeful that you know events would come back people's desire for shared experience and good food and company and yeah yeah the shared experience it's it's not diminished it's just on hold out of necessity yeah. at the moment and, and i think that made me feel incredibly positive for the future brilliant that's brilliant ruth and may you remain positive for the future um and you've talked about mobilizing things quickly um so let's go on to your dance floor f- filler was your what's your first dance track uh, i think probably the first dance floor track would be the one that just from that that opening bar you just know what it is. Everybody knows. You might not even be a fan, but everybody knows what it is. 
and that would be wake me up before you go go from wham <laughs> that that's just instantly just gets people and i think i think yeah that would be that would be the one everyone is truly immersed in 80s and it, my, my, uh, husband, my husband when i was talking to him about this he said he's like looked at me with horror um, like, <laughs> you know this isn't a real party you don't actually have to go to this this is just my my 80s brain well, exploding yeah i mean now you've planned it i mean you know <laughs> Be a shame not to do it. Uh, excellent. The Russian tea rooms have probably been locking the doors. <laughs> uh, she's going to do what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, I mean, you've discussed a, a few of, of, of your memories, and I love the the uh, five euro note aspect of it you know, in terms of you and John getting it together. But do you, do you have any other abiding best memories from working in the industry? Oh gosh, um, so many. I mean. Some, you know, some from my utter clangers where I'd kind of, at the start of my catering career, kind of cheerfully, you know, said, yeah, yeah, we can do marquee events, done loads of marquee events, used to do a big marquee event for the RAC club for Derby Day. Never actually occurred to me that every marquee event I'd done, the marquee was attached to a building. So we had Rod Stewart about to arrive to do this five-a-side football tournament and uh, the ops director at the time said to him, Ruth, where's your power and water coming from? <laughs> and, then was, and, then, and that was it. And oh. he, he, he kind of figured that I hadn't thought about this and he'd already got a backup plan. Um, and so, so you know, then I became the absolute expert in marquee events because I was never making that mistake again. Um, so there's things like that um, where you kind of think, yeah, I really learned a lesson on that one. Um, and then other, other things where you, you, know, you meet people that you've kind of absolutely admired in their careers we used to do a lot with the british olympic association um and and yeah was a huge huge sports fan so still am and yeah and to to meet olympians that you you've kind of watched their um their progress through the olympics and things and actually to to meet them and yeah that that was um yeah definitely memories that that stick out um and i think sometimes when you when you're there at, at moments where you think actually this is a little moment in history yeah this is something that will actually yeah, is be is recorded and, and remembered, and yeah, that's that's there. Yeah, that's a an incredibly special luxury that that is afforded all of us in the events industry. No, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, as you say, we 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 all get to see some things that you would never otherwise get to see. It's a it's a stunning industry to work to work in. I've been to, to the weirdest and most wonderful places in the world, places that. Some might go back to, some maybe not, but, <laughs> but it's all part of the colour of life. Uh, and uh, your party sadly does have come to an end. Um, so uh, the, the big departure and, and one gift to all your guests, how, how would guests leave and would you give them anything as they left? Um, so as they left, I think, again, I would just want to, again, to make it a really personal touch um, so that, that everyone really felt that they, they'd been... I think everyone who who'd been invited would have been invited because they touched my life in some way and they were special to me. So I, I would want them to know that if they hopefully they would know that already. Um, and again, all my friends know I am just in you know, my house is full of Joe Malone, full of yeah candles, shower gels, hand washes, room diffusers, you name it. It's it's all over the place. Um, so everyone would get a Joe Malone candle as they as they left because then when they they burnt that in their own home. They would hopefully again be transported back, and the memory would, we yeah, the, the smell would would transport them back to the the party and the, the hopefully the the fun, happy times that they'd had. Brilliant, brilliant. Maybe maybe a, a, a soft panda bear to go with it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can never you can never have too many, too many pandas. I blame my granddad. He bought he bought me one when I was a baby, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. It's been an absolute pleasure going through it in terms of your of your career. Um, I guess in terms of, of forward planning, you're obviously looking forward to, to coming out of the pandemic and, and the AC getting back to, to doing what it loves. Absolutely. Can't wait. Uh, well, your party's been, I say it's been amazing. Obviously, we haven't done it yet, but it, it would be amazing. Russian tea rooms in New York, uh, 80s theme, neon everywhere. Panda bears on roller skates. Uh, we've got Andre Clive, champagne, passion fruit, um, 
martinis, gin and blackberries so, and bramble. Brambles as well. We've got lots of canopies going on, plus a smoked salmon bar and some beluga caviar, of course. Uh, and then we've got fresh burrata, scallop and prawn fish cakes. We've got an amazing cheese board, uh, reminiscent of Styrek in Austria. Uh, we have a baked Alaska. Uh, we also, sorry, have a Nobu blackened cod as well. I think I put down there as well, which would be rather amazing. Um, then obviously we have Rick Astley performing as well with Michael Palin, raconteur, talking about his travels and, uh, and uh, his, his career in film and, and TV, uh, which would be, ama be amazing. Um, and uh, your guests will leave with a Joe Malone candle to go and chill at home. They will. What an yeah. eclectic event. <laughs> <laughs> eclectic, but wonderful. Um, but thank you so much. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, I'm sure that the Crichton's Pantry and the Admiral Crichton will go on to, to ever greater things in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure.